The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 107 of the Book of Mormon podcast. Kevin and Shelby here. Hey everyone. And we are just having a conversation today about Alma chapter 18. One of the, easily one of the greatest chapters in the whole Book of Mormon. Wow, that's a big statement. I think there's a lot of great chapters in the Book of Mormon. Yeah, I would say... The best chapters in the Book of Mormon are between Nephi, First Nephi, Chapter One. <laughs> Don't even say Moroni Ten right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Nevertheless, um, before we dive in, as we normally do, to the current chapter, I think it's expedient that we look back because we we almost seem to i think when we started chapter 17 we we skipped some things that that i want to share today so first things first i want us we, we talked about the sons of mosiah and their backstory and you know where they came from and their decision to go uh, and take up the ministry and preach to the Lamanites. But I would like to go back and cite the actual scriptures, which states their desires, uh, you know, what, what their mission statement was before they even left. Because last week we talked about their mission statement, mm-hmm. quote unquote, which I really enjoyed. It was a great, it was a little inspiration at the time their mission statement was constant even from before the time that their father gave them permission um and that's in mosiah chapter 28 verse 2 this was their intent uh, in going to the land of nephi to preach to to the lamanites that perhaps they might bring them to the knowledge of the lord their god and convince them of the iniquity of their fathers, that's one, and that perhaps they might cure them of their hatred towards the Nephites, that's two, that they might also be brought to rejoice in the Lord their God, three, needless to say, there's a few more, (laughs) (laughs) that they might become friendly to one another, and that there should be no more contentions in all the land which the Lord their God had given them. And so they're, I mean, very ambitious. And I, and I know we talked about their ambitions last week, but I wanted to go back and, and cite some scriptures. And then it wasn't just their ambition, but it was also their, their heartfelt desires. For they, in verse 3, could not bear that any human soul should perish. Yea, even the, th- the very thoughts that any soul should endure endless torment did cause them to quake and tremble. And, and I just wanted to reference these scriptures because as Ammon goes into the land of Ishmael, as we discussed last week, and as he finally gets to, he, he, he gets access to King Lamoni, we understand what his intent was from the very beginning, you know, and, and the Lord um, made a way. For him to achieve his his mission mm-hmm. and his goals. So it's interesting you said that because I saw in a ward, a bishop's youth council today, where all the youth are in charge of you know planning an activity, but also ministering, and they brought up a certain family that that is affects all the quorums and young women's because their their family spread out through ages and teenage years. And someone said today, 
I think our best bet is just to try to be their friend. <laughs> and it just hit me as I'm sitting there. Like, yeah, we should always try to be someone's friend first. You know, because I think the youth had this realization today, at least some of the youth did, that it's not about always getting them to come to activities, you know, and just come to this knowledge. Sometimes you just got to be their friend first. Hmm. And that's what Ammon does with King Lamoni. He just, we talked about it last week. He just comes in and says, I just desire to dwell here and I'll be thy servant. So just a little connection about, we do know that friendship can be very powerful um, in fellowshipping. Absolutely. So, you know, just, just to catch us up, you know, Ammon, he, he goes into the land of, of Ishmael. He's brought before King Lamoni. And I also wanted to bring up this. Shelby and I, we had the chance to sit down before we recorded today and watch the Book of Mormon video for Alma 17 through 19, though we only watched up to the end of chapter 18 content, right? Um, and because we had the chance to revisit the events of chapter 17, there were a few things that came, like jumped out to us. And, and I have to say, like, you know, the Book of Mormon videos, some of them are really good. Some of them are just good, in my opinion. Um, but sometimes if you are, if you're geared for receiving revelation or deepening your understanding of the scriptures, watch those videos and watch them closely. Don't like watch them and mess with your phone. Like watch them as if you were watching something with, I, I mean, I, I guess I could say real intent. That's what I was going to say. Like view them as the scriptures made into a video format. That's exactly what they are. Like <laughs> their church produced. That means an apostle, if not all of the apostles in the first presidency had to sign off on the screenplay and then the production and everything, you know, these are not like, this is not just some sort of one-off thing. Uh, we can, we can receive revelation um, from them. So my invitation is, is to definitely take advantage of that. If you at all struggle with reading the scriptures. Mm. Um, but Shelly, what, what are some things that kind of jumped out to you as we watched? So one of the first things I think for both you and I, because Kevin had watched it before me and then wanted me to watch it. And I think the very first thing that popped out or jumped out to me was King Lamoni um, asking or not asking, but saying that he would be a servant that watches over the flocks um, at the waters of Sebus. And it stood out <laughs> because now that I've read 18, right, and studied for 18 this week, we learn, so we're gonna, we're gonna go like go forward and then we're gonna go back for a second. But we learn that King Lamoni has slain a lot of his servants for losing those flocks that he's now assigning Ammon to watch over. Okay, so now Kevin, I said that and then Kevin jumped in and I think Kevin should repeat what he said or share what he said next, or if you don't want to, I can. Yeah, I mean, what I wrote down in my scriptures was uh, King Lamoni probably thought that setting Ammon over his flocks was a death sentence in itself. Right. So his, in, his like, it gave us insight into his intent. Right. Right. Like, because, oh, I know I'm probably going to slay him anyway because he's going to lose my flocks. Correct. Which also makes you think his invitation or request that he take one of his daughters to wife may have also been kind of a, uh, like a, a bit of cunning and deceit to be like, to set up Ammon into doing something that would be kind of inappropriate or, um, and, and what I said to Shelby was how perfect would that have played into the narrative of the false traditions of the Lamanites that all the Nephites want to do is come in and steal our stuff, mm. right? Right. That would have worked in perfectly to the political misinformation right. of that day. But I mean, not only is Ammon 
a righteous man and he's not just going to um you know it, it, again it, that wasn't in his mission statement it wasn't oh, right. to go and to find go and a woman married, yeah <laughs> uh so of course he's going to say no but the fact that he said no also shows that he's he was alerted and he was able to discern that this might have been some craftiness mm -hmm. uh, by King Lamoni. And so because if we're going playing off of that narrative, because he didn't get, quote unquote, get him there, um, he then is like, well, let me just put him over the flocks because King Lamoni knows and we know from chapter 18 that he does slay a lot of his men who lose his flocks. So let me just do that. With, so his intent, mm -hmm. we learn a lot about King Lamoni's intent. With that being said, and I think this is a good segue into chapter 18, chapter 18 now, is I think we underestimate the hard-heartedness of King Lamoni at the time that Ammon comes into the land. You know, we, we see King Lamoni as the converted man who then takes Ammon to go to his to King Lamoni's father and then converts him and frees Ammon's brethren. And this is like, this is a really good guy. Well, yes, of course he, he becomes that through the, the repentance process, becoming a new creature in Christ. But that's not who he was when, when Ammon first met him, which only makes the, uh, the, the account that follows more miraculous okay yeah so for those um i just want to say for those that are following because we kind of what we did was we went into some insight from last week who was 17 with mm -hmm. all of this and so now getting back to the narrative here mm -hmm. that's my point and going back for a second was um he had just uh defended the flocks mm -hmm and gathered them and you know we talked about the arms being presented to king lamoni by the way i would like to recant what i said <laughs> where i i i said that you thought they might have been like weapons and yeah, stuff maybe they're weapons right yeah. maybe arms means that he disarmed them yeah i'm thinking now that he straight up cut their arms off yeah I think so too, but hey, it's not, you know, Kev, you could be right. We can ask, we can ask Ammon, you know, when we meet him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so that's where we left off and now we're coming into 18 mm -hmm. where, um, they King, well, where do we want to start? Do we want to read the chapter heading or do we just want to dive into the narrative? Well, yeah, let's dive into the, the, the verses here, okay. I think. I was going to save this for later, but I don't want to miss it. A, an impression that I had today, earlier today as I was preparing, was that sometimes on this podcast, we we refer to the narrative um, of the Book of Mormon. And by that, we mean like the storyline, right? The actual stories of the Book of Mormon. And then you also have the doctrine of the Book of Mormon. This chapter is where the narrative meets the doctrine in a very special way because it shows you how the Book of Mormon and the truths that are taught in the Book of Mormon can literally change your life. Okay. I just wanted to say that as like a kind of a broad preface to the whole King Lamoni story. Um, but yes, we can, we can just jump into to verse one. I think, we probably kind of mentioned it in yeah. closing last week, but after uh, Ammon defends the flocks of the king, it came to pass in verse one that King Lamoni caused that his servants should stand forth and testify to all the things which they had seen concerning the matter. And when they had all testified to the things which they had seen, and he had learned of the faithfulness of Ammon in preserving his flocks and also of his great power in contending against those who sought to slay him. He was astonished exceedingly. I, I, I dare say that astonishment came partially from what we were talking about, where he was like, man, I thought I, I was sending this guy to get killed. 
And it turns out that he just defended my flocks single-handedly and said, back to the scriptures, surely this is more than a man. Behold, is not this the great spirit who doth send such great punishments upon this people because of their murders? So there we see maybe his heart being softened a little bit, alerting him to the fact that that the, the Lamanites are, are an iniquitous people. Well, I think at this point, it's, it's almost a selfish question by King Lamoni in a way, because he is concerned about who he's murdered, <laughs> who he's allowed to be murdered. Well, sure. Right? And we can get there too, as we read on. Yeah. Um, but yes, it does mention his people, so he is aware of his people, but also I think he also is aware of himself. Well, I think what I was getting at there was that, let me backtrack a little bit. We we obviously see that there were some, like, I don't want to say false traditions again, because I've just been saying that a lot, but there's a, a, a theology of the Lamanites and apparently somewhere along the way, this great spirit was introduced as kind of the, the God, mm-hmm. right? But they don't know what God is, as we learn later. They have a very, they don't have any understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. So the great spirit is that substitute, you know, doctrine that was, was put in there by Lamanite ancestors. Okay. And so the fact that some thread of judgment by a great spirit shows that, that, you know, not all is lost, right there, but, but Mm -hmm. things need to be restored to what King Lamoni knows. It's not that he has to uh, we always talk as, as missionaries that we don't want to take anything away from your faith. We want to add things to it mm-hmm. because it's the perfect King. The one is the perfect example of someone who has the light of Christ, who has a conscience and that's in there somewhere, but yeah. it is mixed with some not great things right now. So, and that's why this chapter is a lot about repentance. Um, I think. But anyway, so at this point, the after he asked, like, is this not the great spirit? The servants say, um, we don't know. <laughs> but what we do know is that, you know, he can't be slain um, because of this, like, great strength and power that he has. And your, your flocks can't be scattered. Um, and so he says and at the end of verse 3, And now, O king, we do not believe that a man has such great power, for we we know he cannot be slain. So the king then is like, all right. Um, Basically, he invites, he wants him to come in. Well, I'm skipping a few verses here. Do you have anything to say about that? Basically, he wants the great spirit, aka who he thinks is Ammon, uh, to come in and talk to him. In short summary, <laughs> anything to add there, Kev? Or no, no, I don't think so. Okay. You're going to like verse five, probably. Yeah. So based Th- this, I'll go if I may. Yeah, go ahead. Verse five. Now this was the tr- the tradition of Lamona, kind of how I discussed earlier, right? Where it's like this this theology that was set forth. Um which it says he received from his father that there was a great spirit notwithstanding they believed in a great spirit they supposed that whatsoever they did was right so there's no accountability here the idea that the great spirit demands that they be a noble people that's not in their belief structure okay nevertheless Lamoni began to fear exceedingly with fear, lest he had done wrong in slaying his servants. This goes 
exactly back to what you were saying, Shelby, which is that every person, even the Lamanite, has the light of Christ and therefore has the ability to change things around. And I, I wrote here that the fear of God penetrated a lifetime of false traditions. And we've talked about the fear of God before, how it's not actually like a bad, it's not like you're not fearing God. Um, it's not a bad thing. There's there's it's fear. A, yeah, it's a good thing to be fearful of God. It's a reverence. It's a respect, yeah. right? Meanwhile, Satan would have us be fearful of all things, of like, of life, of our mistakes, of, of things like that, you know, like. We've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go too deep into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, a lot of what's being said in these next couple of verses, um, he, or what we already know, but he's slain a lot of the brethren, uh, his brethren at the waters of Sebus. Um, it's going into the tradition and that that was the practice of the Lamanites to go stand by the water of Sebus. So we kind of learn a little bit about um, how the Lamanite history worked or traditions. Um, and the, you know, exactly the tradition of the Lamanites is to plunder even one another. Yeah. So don't, don't. What work. does it mean to plunder Kevin for those who may not know what plunder means? means to steal right uh specifically you know steal other people's things which they have earned right so they're they're just giving each other grief <laughs> when they don't need to be but that's the, that's the tradition of these people and it's one of the things that ammon and his brethren were intent on stopping with the gospel of jesus christ because because right. it's the it's the great uh bringer of peace into society when all people can be gathered and unified. Yeah. So King Lamoni then says, where is this man with such great power? And uh, I love this. They, his servants say, behold, he is feeding thy horses. Like he's not even in the room as they're talking about this account of Ammon, you know, <laughs> slaying off arms and protecting his flocks. Um, so he goes, I love the I love the response. Now the king had commanded his servants previous to the time of watering of their flocks that they should prepare his horses and chariots and conduct him forth to the land of Nephi. So we kind of get an insight here as to why he's feeding the horses, why he's over with the horses. Because um, there's this, it says, for there had been a great feast appointed at the land of Nephi by the father of Lamoni. I just want to say that if this was before it's as previous to the time of the watering of their flocks. That means Ammon was paying attention to directions even before this. And now after going out and, you know, contending with men in armed combat, he comes back and instead of like resting or instead of, you know, uh, putting it off until later or trying to get in there with King Lamoni right now and say, hey, King, look what I just did. He goes and tends to his duties that yeah. he knew was what he should be doing. He was in the right place at the right time. And so, of course, <laughs> King Lamoni is astonished by his faithfulness of Ammon because he... He's doing what he should be doing. And this is the response I love. Surely there has not been any servant among all my servants that's been so faithful as this man. For even he doth remember all my commandments to execute them. So I just love that. Ammon, Ammon just did what he was supposed to be doing. Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Yeah, he just listened and did. And he's going to be blessed because of it. I can understand King Lamoni being astonished that he single-handedly slew off like dozens of arms and defended the flocks. But then he's also, he's now astonished 
that he's just doing what he was told to do, you know? So, but, but here's the thing. It's another thought that I had today. As I revisited the, the story of Ammon and King Lamoni in my head, the, the fact that King Lamoni was so astonished has nothing. I don't want to say, okay. It's not that he had, it had nothing to do with Ammon's behavior. I think it's just that it had so much more to do with the, the Holy ghost and the fact that, okay, and that's why I want to say that it, it did have something to do with Ammon's behavior because Ammon's behavior was the uh, primer to allow the Holy Ghost into the environment, which was very iniquitous and, and full of false tradition. And there's no way that without this behavior, mm-hmm. it, the Holy Ghost could have penetrated, as I said, uh, King Lamoni's uh, Pre-con- preconceived notions and things like that. But do you understand what I'm saying when I say it had less to do with his behavior and more with the Holy Ghost? Because, I mean, we'll see even later with, with Aaron, uh, his brother, uh, Ammon's brother, he does not boast of himself. He only boasts of his God. So at no time would Ammon say at a later time, yeah, you know, I just went into Lena Ishmael and I, I just did what I was supposed to do. And I totally, it was all me, you know, he, he wouldn't boast of his actions and his behavior. He would say, I was, I was just doing what I was supposed to do. And it was God. And actually later on, I do highlight a section where I believe, um, that Ammon does attribute all of his characteristics and, and things like that to God. But we'll get there. Um, I know I just said a whole bunch of stuff. I want to talk about verse 11. Okay, go ahead. I agree with what you're going to say because I already know. <laughs> but tell tell our listeners. Well, okay. It's because we talked about it before. That's why. And I would not have even known about this verse or... I wouldn't have looked so closely at this verse if it hadn't been for the Book of Mormon video that I watched. And I I picked up on it too, which was funny. Anyway, keep going. I didn't even say anything. And actually, I did say something. I said I repeated it when it happened in the video. And Shelby says, does it say that in the scriptures? Which... I can't tell you how many times watching the Book of Mormon videos, you will do that. You'll say, wait a second. Does it say those words? And then you'll go trying to prove it wrong and saying like, they're taking creative liberty with the Book of Mormon <laughs> videos. And then you go. No, and they're not. No, they're not, dude. If anything, all they do sometimes is uh, shorten verses and yes. just use certain phrases. <clears throat> yes. But this phrase is in there. So go ahead and tell them, Kev. <laughs> Verse 11, now I surely know that this is the great spirit, and I would desire him that uh, that he come in unto me, but I durst not. And it's that, but I durst not, that they put so much emphasis on in the video that not only did I go to the scriptures to validate that it was in the scriptures. <laughs> it is. It I'm is. a second witness. <laughs> I also immediately went and Googled, like, durst. And then I wanted to know it more in like a Book of Mormon um, aspect. And so I I looked into, but it it means he's basically saying, but I dare not. Right. Um, And we know there's some fear there. Yes. This, this hesitant uh, hesitation. Yep. And it reminded me of our dear friend, brother Nathan Turner, where something that he said and says from time to time is that the worst day of my life was the day that I learned the church was true because it means it's going to mean to King Lamoni what it means to all of us, which is I'm going to have to change. 
and the things that I've been doing are not right. And I know that now. And that does put some discomfort. It, it, it throws me off at a, it puts a funk into my lifestyle. So you said it puts a funk sometimes into my lifestyle. And sometimes we will fight that. We don't want the lifestyle to change. And other times when we know the church is true, when we know the things that we need to do, we can't help but change because we have that knowledge. And now if we don't act, we know what's going to happen if we don't. And so that's exactly what happens to King Lamoni here. That's why he invited him in because <laughs> he does want to know. He already knows to an extent right now, um, very small extent, and his knowledge will grow soon. But I durst not because he's he knows that by doing this, he's just going to get more knowledge. Hmm. And that knowledge is most likely going to have to cause him to change himself and his people, the way he leads his people. So that can happen in our own lives. We learn something, we have knowledge, and sometimes we're like, I don't know if I want any more because I don't know if I'm ready to make changes yet. Like sometimes when I say prayers, I don't want to pray for certain things yet because I'm not willing to accept the alternative yet. And so I got to humble myself. And But here we begin to see a heart being softened, right? King Lamona being softened and and being prepared to change to be able to hear from Ammon, from one of his servants. Yeah. So, yeah. In verse 12, came to pass that Ammon had made ready the horses and the chariots for the king and his servants. He went in unto the king, and he saw that the countenance of the king was changed. Therefore, he was about to return out of his presence. So what I assume happened here was that Ammon, he's been summoned, he goes in, he sees King Lamoni, and when King Lamoni sees him, King Lamoni's face kind of is kind of stricken in some way. It doesn't look like he's very happy or it, or he's, he's perturbed in some way. He wasn't how he was when he first met him. Right. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh... Let me turn around. <laughs> Very good point because Ammon, it's not like he's chilling with the king. This is the first time he's seen him since. Since he said, go be thy servant yeah. or go tend to my flocks and my horses and all that. And so he's about to leave maybe because he thinks that he's not welcome in his presence or something. Something's off. Right. And one of the king's servants said unto him, Rabbana, which is being interpreted powerful or great king considering their kings to be powerful. And thus he said unto him, Ravana, the king desireth thee to stay. Therefore Ammon turned himself unto the king and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do for thee, O king? And the king answered him not for the space of an hour, according to their time, for he knew not what he should say unto him. A whole hour. We're just going to say that the space of an hour, we're just going to assume the space of an hour meant what an hour is today. I mean, that's just how I look at it. Yeah, which, you know, it goes back to my whole thing with the arms. There's really no reason for us to assume that the scriptures mean something other than what they say, because it doesn't, it doesn't really help us in any way. I'm just kind of like, I'm kind of like chastising myself for it, but I mean, it's no big deal. Like. But so an hour goes by. <laughs> Love you. Thanks. And again, silence is what I'm assuming. And so after an hour, Ammon's very patient and asks again, what, what desirest thou of me? Earlier when Shelby was studying yeah. right before the podcast, she's just, she's like chuckling. <laughs> I look over at her and she's like, Ammon was so patient. He was. <laughs> I mean, he he came in. King doesn't say nothing. Like, I don't, and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to leave. I don't know what's going on here. And then the the servants, you know, like we said, they're like, hey, no, he wants you here. And he's like, okay, well, what do you want from me? 
and then nothing for like for a whole hour. Like, what would you do if you're Ammon? So he's just like, okay. And then after an hour, what do you want from me? You know? And at this point, Ammon, obviously he's a servant of God. He wants to help and, and bring others to the light of Christ. Like, like Kevin said in the very beginning, that whole mission statement, it says that Ammon perceives his thoughts, meaning the king's thoughts. Um, and he then says to the king, is it because thou hast heard that I defended thy servants and thy flocks and slew seven of their brethren with the sling of, with the sling and with the sword? and smote off the arms of others in order to defend thy flocks and thy servants. Behold, is this the cause of thy marvelings? <laughs> so he just lists all the things that he did as his servant because he's not saying anything. And he knows by the spirit, because he is God's servant, that these are the things. This is why King Lamone is not really talking. And you could say, well, Ammon, this is kind of him doing a little humble brag. but no. it, But it's actually not. Because what happens next is that King Lamoni, he marvels even more at the fact that Ammon knows exactly his thoughts. Those, were, those weren't Ammon's uh, accomplishments according to him. It was the accomplishments according to King Lamoni and mm -hmm. his thoughts. And what I love, though, is that in 17, because you kind of skipped to 18 there for a second, but it says, I say unto you, meaning Ammon, what, what is it that thy marvelings are so great? Behold, I am a man and am thy servant. Therefore, whatsoever thou desires, which is right, that will I do. Yeah. So he's basically like, why is it that you're marveling so much? I'm just a man. Which is good that he said that because that's going to lead into some discussion. Because then he's going to think, anyway, we're going to keep going. So, yeah. But I just had to point that out. But yeah, he he marvels after that because he's like, well, now he knows my thoughts. And then he asks that question. Art thou the great spirit who knows all things? Who art thou? And Ammon answered and said to him, I am not. And the king said, how knowest thou the thoughts of my heart? Because at this point, the king thinks that the reason that he knows his thoughts of his heart is because he is a great spirit. Right. That's the only understanding he has. Correct. So I love this because Ammon's going to teach to understanding. Yes. Anyway, sorry. I just have to point that out. And we'll talk more about that for sure. It's one of the the reasons that this is such a great missionary chapter, right? Because there's so many lessons. Yeah. King Lamoni says to Ammon, thou mayest speak boldly and tell me concerning these things. And also tell me by what power you slew and smote off the arms of my brethren that scattered my flocks. And now if thou wilt tell me concerning these things, whatsoever thou desirest, I will give unto thee. And if it were needed, I would guard thee with my armies. But I know that thou art more powerful than all they. Nevertheless, whatsoever thou desirest of me, I will grant it unto thee. So, and this is a lot of, this is just very interesting, all you know, and it shows King Lamoni's, I think, just his level of understanding. And he's just he's just saying like, listen, I don't really know what's going on, mm -hmm. but whatever you want, as as long as you explain what's going on here, and you can be as bold as you need to be, like I'm. He's basically subordinating his position as monarch, right? And saying, or, or I should say condescending. And he's saying like, just speak to me as a man would to a man. Speak boldly if you need to. And anything you want to add about those verses? No. In verse 22, now Ammon being wise yet harmless. And that's so crucial. That's so important as a characteristic of a, a servant of God, because scroll back a few verses or turn back a page, whatever you're doing, and imagine in verse 19, 
if it had said Ammon answered and said to him, I am. He would be living good for the rest of his days. Hmm. He would have he would have probably ruled over the land of Ishmael. Right? <laughs> but instead, he says, I'm not. Okay, so he's he's wise yet harmless. He's he understands these, you know, he understands the interpersonal game of communicating with people and yet he's not he's neither naive but he's not like wicked like he has he has no which is interesting because i would say he has no guile in him but mormon writes at the end of this verse and this is the thing oh excuse me you skipped 22 oh 22 so before you get there, oh, Ammon yeah. asks King Lamoni uh, his question. What I misread my highlights. Mm. So I was like leading up to this. Mm. Excuse me. Um, in verse 22, as I said, being wise yet harmless, he said unto Lamoni, wilt thou hearken unto my words if I tell thee by what power I do these things? And this is the thing which I desire of thee. Do you want to add anything? No, nope. I just wanted it because I knew where you were getting at. So he's answering King Lamoni's question, which is, this is what I desire, that you'll allow me to teach you and that you will hearken, which means to listen with the intent to obey, to my words. And the king answered him, saying, yea, I will believe all thy words. And thus he was caught with guile. Okay, that's what I was building up to with that whole little thing. Of, of being wise yet harmless he's uh, skilled in speech but he's not using that to his own designs but it's interesting that but this is the king answering not ammon uh what do you mean are you saying ammon was caught with guile or the king because the king's well, the one answering him right so isn't he the one caught with guile well, yeah, but if you're catching someone with guile, mm -hmm. Ammon's the one who would be beguiling King Lamoni. Unless I'm reading that sentence wrong, and thus he was caught with guile. There's two, that's interesting. Okay, there's two interpretations of that, which you're now showing me, which is either King Lamoni, he's being caught in his own guile because he was saying hey whatever you want want i will do it I, i'll give you whatever you desire just tell me what's going on yeah but all ammon wants is that he listens and will then follow through with whatever he's being taught right that's very interesting i didn't read it that way but I think I like that better <laughs> because originally I was thought, well, isn't guile like a bad thing? So why is Mormon describing what Ammon is doing as guile? Yeah, because guile, the definition of guile is like well, sly or cunning. Well, and I know, but I was trying to figure out why would Mormon use this word and then later it be just it be translated i think he's talking about king lamona i don't think he's talking hmm. about ammon interesting i think the the difference is just who is being described as being caught with guile and with the help of my wife <laughs> and looking at it in a different way i think you're right i think it's describing that king lamoni who was so willing to give anything. And it, it's going to be kind of interesting because the same thing happens with his father. When we get to King Lamoni's father, he says, I will give thee anything, uh, talking to God, I'll give up anything you want, even half my kingdom, if I'm forgiven of my sins. And then he realizes that that's not what God wants. It wants, he, God wants him to give up 
all of his wickedness. He doesn't want his things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a pattern there. Just in the, you know, like father, like son, like. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen that, that parental pattern or a, not parental, yes, parental, but a paternal pattern with, um, well, shoot, what was his name? Uh, King Noah's dad. Beats me, dude. <laughs> we talked about him. I have to go back and, and look at him because he's. He's there. Limhi. Limhi. No, Limhi is King Noah's son. <laughs> anyway, while you figure that out, <laughs> go ahead. I'm going to keep going, okay? <laughs> I get your point. Like, father, like son. It's there. Um. So Ammon, at this point, he takes the permission of the king. Feel free to interrupt me when you figure it out, by the way. He gets the permission of the king to speak with Boldus, and he asks him the question, Believest thou that there's a God? And King Lamoni says, I don't know what that means, basically. I'm going to kind of summarize it and read it at the same time. And then Ammon says, okay, do you believe there's a great spirit? Because at this point, Ammon has this understanding of that he thinks that he's a great spirit now. He already asked him that question. And so he says, yeah, I do believe there's a great spirit. Did you find it out? Zenith. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So like father, like son. That's going to help so many people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he asked him first, He, I think the point that I want to get across here is what a great teacher Ammon is teaching by the spirit. Because first he checks to see if he understands what God is. And when he says, I don't even know what that means, then he brings it back to what he knows Ammon knows, which is, believe us so that there is a great spirit. And of course he says, yeah, I do believe that. Um, And so then Ammon then makes the connection. This is God, that great spirit, that, right? This is God. And he says, believe us thou that the great spirit, who is God, makes the connection again. Create, excuse me created all things which are in the heaven and in the earth okay so he connected two principles here and so now he knows ammon knows this that mm-hmm. a great spirit is god and he repeats it again when as he's teaching and then ask another question to build on an understanding do you believe that you know this god created all the things in the heaven and the earth and he says yeah i believe he created the things in the earth but i don't know the heavens so he's checking for understanding by asking these questions. And so um, you can feel free to interrupt me. Well, and, and I just want to, not that it needs to be said because you're saying it perfectly, but I, I, I do want to emphasize all these questions are inspired questions. Right. They're not just filler questions. He, it really is intentional. Every word. And that's, that's like you said, it's gauging for understanding before he dives deep into the plan of salvation plan of salvation so he basically admits that he believes he created all the things on the earth but he doesn't know about heavens and so he tells him hey this is what the heavens are they're a place where god dwells and all his holy angels and so then king lamoni is like where is it (laughs) is it above the earth and this is one of my favorite verses actually and Ammon says yeah he looketh down upon all the children of men and he knows all the thoughts and intents of their heart for by his hand were they all created from the beginning and I love that because at the very very beginning when Ammon entered in he wanted to know how do you know my thoughts and intents of my heart Hmm. and we now know that God looks down on all his children and knows them Um, And that's why, you know, he sends his prophets. So King Lamoni at this point says, I believe all the things which thou hast spoken, art thou sent from God? He asks a question. King Lamoni asks a question now. We see that he is making connections here because he's like, oh, okay. So if he's not the great spirit, but God is, and God has holy angels, then this guy must be a guy sent from God. 
So that's how you know he's getting it now at this point, right? And he asked him that question. Sorry, I know I'm going on. But I just love this whole teaching of Ammon. And Ammon says, I am a man. <laughs> I love that. I am a man. And man in the beginning was created after the image of God. And I am called by his Holy Spirit to teach these things unto this people, that they may be brought to a knowledge of that which is just and true. And he does go on. But I love that response. He says, yes. But he clarifies first that he is a man <laughs> and that he's called by his Holy Spirit to do these things. He doesn't boast of himself, right? Like we talked about earlier. He's just saying, I am a man and I am called to do these things. There's a connection here, which I don't know if it's. Sorry about the squeaky chair, y'all. There is a connection here, and I don't know if it's supposed to be subtle, but I feel I feel that it's subtle. Maybe it's just because I'm. I it takes longer for me to catch on. But if you follow that footnote of man in verse thirty-four, it takes you back to Mosiah seven, verse twenty-seven, and it's a discussion about Abinadi and the reason that he was martyred, the reason that he was killed, because he said unto them that Christ was the God, the Father of all things, and said that he should take upon him the image of man, and it should be the image after which man was created in the beginning. Or in other words, he said that man was created after the image of God, and that God should come down among the children of men and take upon him flesh and blood and go forth upon the face of the earth. That doctrinal truth is what they killed Abinadi for, among other reasons. You know, pride and envy and, and fear of losing their power, right? But, you know, if, if Ammon had come in, in, in any other context and started teaching these things, it's possible that he would have been killed. Interesting. And this, in verse 35, here in Alma 18 again, is where Ammon attributes everything to God. He, he doesn't boast of himself. He says, and a portion of that spirit dwelleth in me, which giveth me under giveth me giveth me knowledge and also power according to my faith and desires which are in God. And verse 36, and when Ammon had said these things, or these words, he began at the creation of the world, and also the creation of Adam, and he told him all the things concerning the fall of man, and rehearsed and laid before him the records in the Holy Scriptures, which I immediately thought, okay, there's there's no way that Ammon, who traveled alone, took the whole scriptures with him, right? He definitely didn't take brass plates, which is, these are the brass, you know, this is the content of the brass plates. Could he have something written down? Sure, something to reference, maybe. But it made me think about the temple ordinances and you know shelby you've worked at the temple many many times from a long time i'm currently working at the temple and really getting to the point where i can i can recite the temple ordinances without the need for assistance you know from reading um reading them and some of them are long and some of them are complex and there's, it's not, it's not a skill that I possess. There's no, there's nothing special about me that enables me to do it. I, I only attribute it to God because there's plenty of other things mm -hmm. that I don't, that I don't, I wouldn't really care to memorize, but maybe that's part of it too, right? Is that when you have that desire, God enables you he he lifts you up 
to be a person with skills and abilities that you didn't you didn't know you had but you do have them because you're you're god's child and you have great potential i like those insights i like i like i love the temple i have a love for the temple and i love that kevin's getting to see all that as he works in the temple because i've i've just loved it for so long that's a side note for posterity FYI. <laughs> and it's not just that. The fact that he's rehearsing these things, it's not just that, wow, Ammon is reciting all these things by memory, potentially. It's also that he's using the scriptures to dispel the false traditions of their fathers. Okay? He's not he's not using political uh you know, propaganda, you know, he, he, he's not come from Zarahemla saying, listen, Zarahemla is where it's at. Like we've got a king, we've got a high priest, we've got judges, mm -hmm. we've got everything that y'all don't have and y'all need to get with the times. Instead, in verse 37, he also rehearsed unto them all the journeyings of their fathers in the wilderness and all their sufferings with hunger and thirst and their travail and so forth. So he's not just talking about Adam and Eve, the fall, the plan of redemption, things like that. He's also talking about first Nephi and second Nephi. And right. Amen and Lemuel. Yeah. And he's saying, listen, the, the things that you think about our people, the Nephites, it's wrong. It's based on a lie. And that feeds in to his mission statement of unifying people and getting rid of any contention all throughout the land. Uh, and yes, you said it, and I, I highlighted it. I didn't even look at it. <laughs> and, and he also rehearsed unto them concerning the rebellions of Laman and Lamuel and the <laughs> sons of Ishmael. They're in the land of Ishmael. They they're, are they are descendants of Ishmael. They're Ishmaelites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all their rebellions did he relate unto them, and he expounded unto them all the records and scriptures from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem down to the present time. So if I could just simplify this, <laughs> he just he teaches them everything. <laughs> And I, I don't mean that, like, if you've been listening this whole time and you're like, I don't even know what they're saying. What we're saying is that the second that King Lamoni gave Ammon permission and had a soft heart to be able to hear and make the basic connections of what God is and who he is, he then just expounds on this plan and then kind of how that plan has affected them up to this point. That's what's been talked about. Yeah. And Ammon goes in the Book of Mormon um, video, we see the, I think the lighting, I guess, go from like day to like, you would assume like super middle of the night. Mm. So like Ammon's teaching all these things for a very long time. And they're just soaking up every single word of it. Cause they're just, wow, I can't believe this, right? All new knowledge to them. And it's by the spirit. So they're being testified by the spirit in their hearts that they know it's true. They don't have to sit there and be like, oh, I got to think about this. No, their hearts have been softened. They've been prepared. Um, and the spirit's been teaching them this whole time that everything Ammon's saying is true. And even King Lamoni has admitted that in these little things. I know what thou said is true. I know what thou said is true. And he says it again. <laughs> he says it in 40 i think it is and it came to pass that after he had said all these things and expanded them to the king that the king believed all his words so once again he king lamone believes it's true and he wants that mercy right that he wants that to come upon him to be forgiven of his sins because now he for sure knows that killing his servants is not the right thing to do. Yeah. 
right? He had a feeling it wasn't good. Light of Christ coming in there, conscious, right? Conscience coming in there. Now he for sure knows after being taught these things. So he wants that mercy and he wants it for himself and his people. And as a result, because he's so overcome, we learn more about that overcomeness, being overcome <laughs> in chapter 19, the next one. But he falls to the earth as if he were dead. And at that point, his his servants take him and carry it to his wife. <laughs> and they lay him on a bed. And he's there for two days and two nights. And they think he's dead. Everyone thinks he's dead. They, they're lamenting his loss. Yeah. But we know if we can jump forward, I just wanted to give a little insight into chapter 19 really quick. Verse 6. This is what's really happening, and we'll talk more about it next week. So Ammon knows what's going on, and he knows that King Lamoni is not dead. He just knows, it says, he knew that King Lamoni was under the power of God. He knew that the dark veil of unbelief was being cast away from his mind and the light which did light up his mind which was the light of the glory of God which was a marvelous light of his goodness and so I'll read that much but we know that what's happening to King Lamoni giving a little teaser into next week he's just having all he's having experience with the Lord right now and a very tender one of learning of him and coming to know him and this is why King Lamoni becomes such a wonderful convert. Because he's letting all those veils of unbelief just completely come off him. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. And the same thing can happen to us if we let him let that power work in our lives. The same this is the power of repentance coming into play here. The power of Jesus Christ acting in his life. King Lamoni had faith, and that faith led him to change and repent, and he's doing that right now. He's in the middle of that change. And it's beautiful because it can happen to any of us. All yeah. we have to do is choose to have that faith, and when we act and we believe that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, his son, will help us make those changes. The power comes into our lives to be able to do it. Doesn't mean it won't be easy. I mean, he's laying here for two days, not doing anything, right? There's something going on. But what comes after making those changes is, is beautiful. People are converted. I also want to share that I think that the fact that Mormon put this story right after the story of Ammonihah is mm -hmm. such a tender expression from our heavenly father and our savior because they were the ones who edited the book. I mean, Mormon abridged it, right? He put it together, he but put it in order. he put it in order, but he did so by, by the spirit, by the spirit. And, you know, we just saw that Alma and Amulek, they went into a city they really were up against the same things and they were met with nothing but resistance and, and pride and, and violence, right? False traditions. Hmm. Um, maybe more on a, like less of a traditions of their fathers, but more of like a systemic corruption, right? But to put this story right after gives us that reminder that the Lord is always ready to extend forgiveness and prosperity to an individual and a people who are willing to change and, and hearken unto him and uh, say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I just want to add that as they change and when you hearken you think the world would have you think oh i'm going to become more restricted by doing so but the opposite is actually true 
or the opposite is true. You're actually given more freedom. And there's a reason uh, that there's structure because structure can create freedom. It really can. And Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ know that. But when we don't have that structure and that organization, uh, our lives are kind of chaotic. <laughs> so I just want to add that to your, your testimony. Elder David A. Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles recently visited Dubai. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he taught, you can look it up. It's on a video from the church newsroom. He said, the purpose of this life is to use our agency correctly so that we can return to live with God. And that's a second witness to exactly what you just said, Shel. Yeah. From an apostle. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, y'all. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, I really do invite you to go and watch that Book of Mormon video and just just pick out things that you like. And um, the great thing is if you have the Gospel Library app, you don't have to go to any other website. You don't have to go to YouTube or mm. churchofjesuschrist.org or anything like that. You can just go straight in your Gospel Library app. You can either along the sides of the scriptures themselves, you'll see a little icon for a picture for media, and you can click that and you can watch it right there in the app. It's awesome. So definitely do that. And uh, we will be back next week in Alma 19. Bye, y'all.